Hello everyone and welcome back to the Talk Dental to Me podcast. I'm your host Emma and this podcast is a place where we as a collective can learn from each other, other health professionals and learn about new oral care innovations. I am back and keeping my promise of posting two episodes a month which I am super proud of. Hair flick, like literally I just did a hair flick. So I really hope that you guys have been learning something new, that you've had some great takeaways from my first three episodes and I am super excited for today's podcast because as you already know, I've always envisioned this podcast to not be a traditional podcast. There are many podcasts out there that cover the clinical aspects of dentistry and I just want to let them thrive in that specific sphere. I'm here to bring you all the other stuff and I like to say fun stuff and I want to bring on individuals who are shaping the future of dentistry and disrupting the norm. But before we get started, I just wanted to touch base on the review of the week that I usually do. For some reason, Apple Podcasts doesn't let me see all my reviews until there's more and then they can figure out an average. So I actually don't have a review of the week this week. I apologize. But if anyone wants to leave a review after this episode and help me get to that point where I can view my actual reviews that have been left, I would love that. And if you do leave one, let me know, please, so I can give you a shout out. Now, last time I didn't actually speak about what was going on in my life at the moment because I just honestly forgot but something new that has happened over the last couple of weeks is that I have decided after lots of deliberating and lots of thought that I am transitioning into full time at one of my dental practices uh, dental boutique which I'm really really excited about but it's also really bittersweet because I also love the other clinic that I'm currently at. They're like a family, all the support staff, front of house, nurses are incredible. The dentists that are there are just the most ethical, down-to-earth, approachable dentists I have ever met in my life and I am really sad to go and I actually cried <laughs> when I told the team that I was leaving and it's going to be really difficult to finish up there but I know that my new role is going to be super exciting and that there's going to be lots of growth. So that is what's happening in my life at the moment. A lot of exciting things. I'm got some awesome giveaways in the next couple of weeks and introducing some new products that you may not have heard about on my platform to you guys on Emma Talks Teeth so I'm super excited for that. Now today's episode is one that I think is superior in what makes you a well-rounded clinician and that's your communication skills. 
because you can have the best grades in the world, ace all your exams, but if you cannot communicate well, if your interpersonal communication is not effective, this will be a problem in your clinical practice. You won't be able to convert treatment plans, your patients won't understand why they need the urgent treatment, and your patients will not return for treatment. So to join me on today's episode is Amber Auger, a registered dental hygienist based in Boston, Massachusetts, who is super passionate about this topic. And I just thought she was the best person to bring on to the Talk Dental To Me podcast as she is a motivational speaker. She also works with dental hygienists to help elevate their careers and she works with RDH Mag too. You better have your notepad and pen ready because you are going to be making so many notes throughout this podcast because Amber is a wealth of information and there are so many key messages that I know you're going to apply and elevate your clinical practice. I hope you enjoy. Hi Amber, how are you? I'm great, how are you? Good, thank you. I'm excited to chat with you. I have been a a fan of yours for a long time. Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. I I love your platform and what you do to help other dental hygienists and help them communicate better with their patients and their management, other peers, other colleagues. And that's what I wanted to speak about today because I think that communication with patients and communication with your bosses is a really pivotal skill to have and to really excel in your career in dentistry. And I know you're going to impart so many gems today, uh, but before we begin, please tell us a little bit about yourself. uh, Why dental hygiene and what does your week look like at the moment? Sure, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to uh, collaborate. And I have been a dental hygienist, a practicing dental hygienist for the last 11 years. For me, I knew I wanted to be in the dental field in sixth grade during science class. So we started to talk about teeth, and I I was like, oh my gosh, teeth are phenomenal. This is so cool. All of these little cells move together to form your teeth, and like it's amazing that they know where to go and that they're going to be a tooth. I'm like, how does that happen? And so um, my original goal was to become a dentist, and I grew up with a single mom, and I've been on my own financially since I was 13. Mm. So there wasn't an option for me to have student loans to go to school for dentistry. So what I did is I decided to start as a dental hygienist with the plan that I would always go back to school to become a dentist. And once I graduated from dental hygiene school, I really loved it and I fell in love with public health. So when I went back to school, eventually I decided to uh, obtain a master's in public health instead of becoming a dentist because I found such a love for the preventative side of dentistry. I actually started dental hygiene with carpal tunnel. Oh, wow. So before I even hit first semester, that clinical floor, I had a cortisone shot in my right hand, which is my scalar hand. And my professor said to me, why are you here if you literally already have carpal tunnel? There's no point Mm. to continue. And I was like, that is not true. I know I'm going to be able to power through this. And I know I'll be able to create some sort of um, career where I can have a hybrid. And initially, I thought that looked like becoming a sales rep. Mm. And what it morphed into after I got my master's in 2015 is finding a love for speaking and consulting. So I've been on the speaking circuit since 
of September of 2016 was my first engagement. Amazing. And now I have the privilege of speaking internationally and a lot of the national trade shows. Um, but really my um, gift to the industry, I believe, is to teach hygienists how to take back that empowerment of how to communicate to your patient no matter where they're at, right? Some patients are going to do better with a lot of science. Other patients are going to do better with really a practical approach. Mm -hmm. So figuring out how to read your patient, how to love doing clinical hygiene. Um, my current schedule is a little bit different every week depending on speaking, but typically it involves two days a week of clinical work. Mm -hmm. Typically those are Tuesday and Thursday. And then admin days, uh, Monday and Wednesday. So I do consulting for RDH Magazine, a couple other private clients, um, and it's been an awesome mix. I love what I do. If I could practice full-time, I would, uh, but I'm unable to simply because of the carpal mm -hmm. tunnel. I love your story. Absolutely love it. And your story is, you know, a gift, again, to the profession saying if you're in a similar circumstance or you don't particularly want to work clinically full-time, there are other options. And as you were saying, traditionally, that used to be sales and that used to be practice management, but the digital age has changed our industry alongside a lot of other things and there's so much more breadth and so many different options now and that is fantastic. I love that you're you know, making an impact not only to patients outside the clinic but us, but us as well. Going on from what you were saying about communication, dentistry is a people-focused profession. You know, we can learn all the theory, we can ace all the exams, create the prettiest and perfect fillings and remove every little bit of tartar, but if you don't have excellent communication skills, what can that potentially mean for you as well as your patient outcomes? Absolutely. It's a phenomenal question. I love the way you worded it. You're so well-spoken. Um, what I would say is patients, you can be an excellent communicator in regards to the education mm -hmm. and you can explain things at a really high level. But if your patient doesn't know how much you care first, mm -hmm. they're not going to listen. Yep. So part of effective communication is getting to know your patient. Mm -hmm. So when I go to work, um, yesterday or t Tuesday rather, was a great example. Um, I was, I had, a, I produced $3,500 in one day. Mm. I saw eight patients. I did multiple quads of scaling. I did multiple additional fluoride treatments. And I had such a fun day. I laugh cried a few <laughs> times chair side because my patients have become my friends. My patients are comfortable. Yeah. I have patients who at one point hadn't been in for 15 years and were terrified to come to the dentist. And now they know that it's a judgment-free zone, just like Planet Fitness. It's a judgment-free zone, and we will um, treat them at a level that we, we meet them where they're mm, at. So important. So that is the first thing. It, yeah, and it's so important. And, you know, patients don't want to be lectured to, and they don't want to be shamed. And patients often can go down this route of believing that they have, quote-unquote, soft, soft teeth, or mm -hmm. they have periodontal disease because their parents did. So they're automatically going to get that. And I always start with, yes, it may be a risk factor, but there's multiple things that cause periodontal disease, and tooth decay. So let's talk about what risk factors you currently have and how we can eliminate those. And we put empowerment back into the patient. Mm -hmm. So they now feel like they have control over it. And it's not this doom cloud that they'll always have periodontal disease or always have a high rate of tooth decay. 
And then they come in and they're celebrating. You know, they're saying to me, oh my gosh, I got my whole family on the water pick. You're going to see, wait till you see my teeth. And every single time they come in, I celebrate any win. Mm. Even if that's as simple as they got the electric toothbrush and they haven't opened the box yet. Because we want to reinstill that positivity with the patient. Mm. And that's what it really comes down to. Because if you don't have that solid foundation, what's going to happen to you as a clinician is you're going to get frustrated. You're going to feel like you're a pro-female. You're going to get burnt out really quick. And you're not going to love your job. And I will be very frank and very open. There was a point in my career when I first started, I was working six days a week in three different practices, really focused on paying off student loans. I paid off... $95,000 of student loans in three years. And I was so focused on paying off those loans because I knew my wrist wasn't going to last forever and I didn't want to be in debt if I couldn't do hygiene Mm -hmm. at all. Um, I've been really thankful and grateful that I've invested in some really awesome clinical technology that's kept me pain-free. I work pain-free now, which is awesome. Um, But I was really, at one point, I remember working clinically, looking at my patient looking at the tray and being like, did I polish yet? Like, I don't, I don't remember if I polished. And that to me was a moment where I was like, whoa, <laughs> clearly you're not engaged yeah. right now. If you are thinking about, if you can't remember if you just polished the patient's teeth and let's be honest, most clinicians have those moments in their career mm. and those are, those are normal, but that is a huge sign of burnout, mm. right? It's, it's a normal to have to check in with yourself um, and how we change that is we keep each other accountable to providing excellent care. And what that means is having a full day off, not working six days a week, Mm. not overdoing it, getting to the gym, eating well, and having hobbies outside of dentistry because that's what's going to make you more relatable. Um, For me personally, I'm 33 years old. I own a a townhouse. I live alone. Um, I'm single. So all of my patients immediately look at me, and especially where my patient practice is, they're like, why aren't you married? Why don't you have children? What's going on? And for me, what I've learned is, okay, how do I change that conversation? What can I take that, keep it professional where we're talking about teeth, but also lighthearted? So that's where I have the hobbies of I like to hike. So I'll talk about hiking. I'll talk about biking. I'll talk about my dog, Margo. And then what happens is we naturally build that relationship, and it becomes a professional and personal relationship where I'm in control of how much I'm sharing. Mm -hmm. And that is really what builds the trust overall. They're not coming back to us because we're excellent at removing stain and can scale the distal of 15 very easily. <laughs> They're coming back because of how we're making them feel. Absolutely. Yes, I am in total agreement with everything with everything that you just said. And you have to be relatable to your patients and learning to read the room. As you said, everyone is so different. If you have a patient who's softly spoken or a little bit more introverted they may not respond well to you know big loud you really got to take it down to their level so that they feel comfortable with you because that's what we want at the end of end of the day we we need them to be comfortable with us for them to be able to then trust us and then be able to then move forward with the treatment plan ultimately because of that trust and that rapport that we build with them and I can absolutely relate to the burnout as well. It's about, I'd say, four or five years ago and it was a time, like you were talking about, it just felt like I wasn't engaged and you almost don't realise it at the time. And I remember one specific day I was 
doing was using my ultrasonic and I had an assistant with me at the time and she goes to me aren't you going to ultrasonic the palatal and I was like what and then <laughs> I had an ultrasonic the palatal so I'd done you know all mm. the other areas except and I thought I'd finished with the ultrasonic but like you're saying just disengaged and that was a key moment for me as well saying I think I need to rejig my week or maybe review you know what else I can do at this point so you know it it can take a while to realize that but once you get there it's important that you take those steps to re-engage yourself and and Mm -hmm. I still love dental hygiene I'm still here you know eight nine years later and it's it's a wonderful career and like you I love my patients and you really build relationships with them and at the end of the day that's what life's about right you know building good friendships good relationships and relationships with your patients Mm -hmm. and I don't know about you but I find what I'm doing outside of the operatory is fueling my passion more when I'm in the 100% so so you know, I was in Cancun a couple of weeks ago. So I was I I wasn't clinical um, last Tuesday. So when I came back this Tuesday and was clinical, I felt this like surge of motivation to educate. And one of my patients had to be rescheduled. Um, I was I got stuck on the, we had a flight issue. Um, so anyway, she's like, I'm so happy that you're here this Tuesday. I missed you last week. Hmm. And it's she's like, I can tell that you had such a great time at your conference. Like I can tell that you learned a lot hmm. and you have this new level of inspiration coming back to me. So that, that's another gift to both, both you and the patient for ourselves to be rejuvenated, but also to be serving our patients better. Mm. That's great. That's really great. And the next thing I wanted to chat about is getting through to the unmotivated patient. I find mm. a lot of new grads mm-hmm. really struggle with this. I've had a few reach out to me and say, I just can't get through to this patient and you know explain to them you've got stage three periodontal disease let me treat you please let me help you and you know sometimes it's finances and some clinics have different payment options these days sometimes it's not finances so what are your key Mm -hmm. tips to overcoming this the patient objection what do we need to incorporate and be systematic about when explaining a diagnosis because we've, we've got to be systematic about it right Yes, we definitely do. So number one is going back to the um, you know original thought of if the patient doesn't know how much you care, they won't budge. Mm-hmm. So that is a number one. And it can be very hard when you are a clinician who's younger and who's just starting out, especially if you're treating older patients. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a very young face, especially when I don't have makeup Same. on. I attribute <laughs> it to my night cream. Um, but, you know, people look at me and I don't wear a ton of makeup when I'm clinical. Mm. I might put a little mascara on, but that's it. And um, not so much now, but especially in my early 20s when I first started, they'd be like, have you even graduated mm. yet? So what we have to remember is when you're younger, you have to lead with excellence mm. and you have to lead with confidence. And let me tell you, confidence comes with every day faking it until you make it. I know that's like cliche advice, but it really is. The more confident you can pretend you Mm -hmm. are, you will start to get that confidence. And I help a lot with time management, um, which can help with that confidence. But anyway, to stick with this question, um, is that that's the first thing. You wanna be relatable, you wanna be confident to the patient, and you have to remember patients are typically fearful. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's typically fear of money, fear of time, Um, fear of there's no really perceived need or fear of pain. 
So those are the four major objections that patients come in mm-hmm. with. So what I always like to start out with, and oftentimes when I get an objection, especially if it's a patient that I've never treated before, and it's the first time they're hearing that they have periodontal disease and they are that stage three, the first thing they typically say to me is, well, I'm 70 years old. I'm not changing what I'm currently mm-hmm. doing. And it's hard to meet with that resistance, right? So, and I've been told before as a mid-education, you know what, I don't want to hear it. And I say, I understand, but please let me just finish my sentence because I'm concerned about your systemic health. I'm concerned about your heart. I'm concerned about your brain. And the reason I'm concerned about your heart is you have the high blood pressure already. And from the level of bacteria I can see in your mouth, there's an immune response happening. And I need to tell you this because I want you to be healthy for your grandchildren. I want you to be able to walk your daughter down the aisle. And I will pull at those emotional strings right Mm -hmm. away. And let me tell you, in the last 11 years that I've practiced, I've co-diagnosed over 22 cases of uh, skin cancer and over 52 cases of oral cancer. And all of them, all of them across the board were in patients who didn't want to see their provider and who are, we had noted, you know, referred out, didn't go, referred out, didn't go. And I sit down and say, I'm concerned. This is why I'm concerned. Um, Now, when it comes to that patient compliance with what you're recommending, that's where we have to be flexible. So there can be times where the patient says, you know what, I don't want to do that scaling thing, and, you know, I I don't think I need it. And then for me, I say, well, tell me why you don't think you need it, because I'm seeing the level of bone loss here. How can I help you really make the best decision for you? Because not doing anything is, is really concerning to me. And, and have that open conversation. What do you need? Um, you know, what else can I tell you? What are the questions do you have? So instead of saying, does that make sense? What other questions do you have? Um, you know, I'm going to collect all of the data today to really maximize your insurance. So I'm going to show them the evidence of disease that I have, but let's book the next appointment for you. Chances are they'll cover about 80% of the treatment. And this is the best way to prevent this from progressing into a surgical case. So when you go home, I don't want you to Google it. I want you to um, trust me in knowing that this is not surgical. And I'll be here the whole time with you next time as we're going through the scaling treatment. And at any point, if you're uncomfortable, we'll modify and go from there. And that's how I like to present the information um, to the patient. Confidence is key. Um, Working with them and saying, you know, not every patient is going to want a 10-step home care regimen Mm. there's not so if we can say you know how about if you got a cordless water pick and you use that water flosser when you're in the shower what is would you be able to implement that and then they're like oh well yeah and i'm like that way you don't have to worry about leaning over the sink and what do you think and meeting them halfway would that fit in your everyday routine having those questions because you want to be able to partner with the patient Mm. you don't want to be able to just it's not all black and white So what we can do is we can move that if the goal is to get them to excellent care, we can make tiny little changes each time they're in, celebrating each win, to get them to a point where they come in, they're already healthy, it's an easier appointment for you, you get to talk about different things like skin cancer, have more time for oral cancer screenings, and honestly, enjoy your job Mm -hmm. because you're watching a patient go from disease to healthy and they think they celebrate you when they come back in. They're like, look what you helped me do. Like, it feels so good. Remember that time you had to like scrape, 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 and now you're Mm -hmm. not? Like, today was easy. And like, the goal is always for today to be easy. And that's because 80% of your periodontal success is with your home care and you're killing Mm -hmm. it. That's amazing. I absolutely love how you 
break that all down there. And most importantly, mm-hmm. I love how you are talking with the patient, not at the patient. And I think that's what like, particular personality types, if not a lot of people, really pull back from that. You know, they don't particularly like being spoken at. They want to be involved in the conversation. And I think that's really important in communication is, you know, asking the patient what they can do, not particularly telling them that they need to do it, meeting halfway and saying, let's start with this. And that's the key to getting through to people and, yeah, explaining to them, you know, I can do the best clean in the world, but we really need to work together to, you know, create a routine that's going to work for you at home. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, I know everyone's going to be listening to this, writing all these notes and rewinding and pressing stop, play, (laughs) making notes. That's fantastic. And like I spoke about earlier on, one of the other great initiatives that I love that you do is empowering dental hygienists to, you know, create a work-life balance that they love. And that's so, so important in any industry. But, you know, in our profession, it's really great that we have someone that we can turn to and get some guidance from with that. So, yeah, the next facet of communication that I want to dive into is with your, your superiors, with your management, you know, whether it's your practice mm-hmm. managers or your principal dentist, I think it's really important to discuss this and remind our peers because I, I am a firm believer, as I know you are, you know, you, you need to con- control your own happiness and I think that's really applicable to the workplace and I really think you've got to take control of as much as you can, some things are out of your control, but, you know, of your work environment and your work circumstances and setting the stage at the interview if you can. So, yeah, I think one of the best ways to do this is it's really important to be upfront. I know it can be really hard early on in your career. You just graduate, you want a job, you know, you just want to take what the offer is and get experience under your belt. But over the years in interviews, I've had some really interesting responses where I've gone home and I say, oh, that was a little bit odd or when you start to process things that people say or the hiring dentist says, you know, it's important to remember that we're interviewing them as they're interviewing us. Are there any helpful tips that you have for our peers out there? Are there any non-negotiables you have when you walk into a clinic or are considering a job? Mm Mm-hmm. It's such a phenomenal question, and there's been so many times that I look back at things that when I was a new grad, I didn't recognize as a red flag, and I may have stayed at clinics longer and worked for dentists longer than I should have. And what I will say is I think a lot of times we're quick to say, oh, this environment is toxic. Mm. So I I want to just put a, a, a realistic view on that. And remember, it's kind of like a road and the highway right. where there's three different lanes. There's the, you know, the, the lane that's kind of like considered the slow lane where it's status quo and is good. Then there's a yellow lane, which is the moderate lane. And then there's the fast lane, which is red. And I think we're so quick to say, oh, well, definitely this is, this is a red flag, red mm. flag. And red flags are important. And you know what? There are some things that are a true red flag. But I think we have been generalizing with over-categorizing or taking a previous job that may have been that full red flag that you have been waving for mm-hmm. months, you finally quit from, and you start, you go to a new office that has all green flags. 
but you immediately assume that they're red and you immediately assume that your same experience that all dentists are going to be one way or all assistants are going to be one way or all office managers are going to be one way and when we start to think that way our brains love to prove that we are right mm. so you can create amazing stories of the why you weren't booked a solid day because the office manager absolutely mm. hates you but what the, you look at it from a neutral standpoint and ask yourself could you actually prove that in court the answer would be no so from the get-go when we're we're looking at specifically if you're a hygienist who's going from one job to another job and maybe you're leaving an office that you're really unhappy in I really encourage you to journal every morning mm -hmm. and start with, even if it's three to five minutes, super quick, five things you're grateful for and what you want to, really thinking of what you want to create out of your experience in that office and taking time to heal from past relationships that may have not been the mm -hmm. best for so you important. professionally or even in school. I mean... Some of these school programs, mine included, it was a phenomenal program. I struggled all through school. I had so much trauma as a new grad mm -hmm. leaving hygiene school and not thinking I was going to make it and being stressed out for four years, like, every day, all day. So it's important to have that neutrality when you're entering into any opportunity profession-wise. And then when it comes to career, my non-negotiable number one is respect. If I don't feel respected and I don't feel like I can collaborate, I can't mm -hmm. stay at the practice. Mm -hmm. I'll get very frustrated. Um, the other is when I first go into a practice, I'm asking them, what kind of dentistry do you want to do? How do you continue to improve your skills? What, it, what does excellence look like? Mm. Can you share with me some clinical cases that you've done recently that you're really proud of? Um, name a time where you were upset with a, hy a hygienist and how you handled mm. it. Do you prefer to have direct communication? What's the best way to communicate with you? And what I find is when I first enter a practice, I will come in with as much respect as possible. I will call the doctor, doctor, every single time. I'll say, doctor, when they enter the room. And then I will go to them, and I will acknowledge if I did not provide something that was the standard of care that I was proud of. For instance, let's say I have a gagger, and let's say I try with all my might, but I just cannot get the distal root of number 31, mm -hmm. and our panoramic or our cone mean is down. I will literally say, full FMX is ready for you, and I apologize. The, the heat was a gag situation. I really honestly thought that if I tried again, there would be vomit on me, and I apologize. I will try again next time. And even just acknowledging your shortcoming immediately allows the dentist to respect you. They know where you fell short. And I don't mean to highlight that every single time, but to have that open communication and collaboration, mm -hmm. it builds trust. Yeah. And asking them when, you know, they come in to the room, how, how do we best work together? You know, what do, um, what do you like? And then what I will do in the first days of the job is go to the dentist and say, hey, I, you know, I, I realize that you recommended an onlay there. Could you tell me why you recommended an onlay versus a full crown? I would just love to be able to know so that I can be more calibrated with you next time. I want to be able to be so calibrated with the dentist that, of course, I can't legally diagnose, but I can pitch all of the options to the patient mm -hmm. and pretty much know, okay, is this going to be a crown or is this going to be endocrown or is this going to be a veneer? Mm -hmm. That way, they see me as their full resource and you become irreplaceable, respected, and when it's time for a raise, guess who's getting one? Absolutely, absolutely. And I love, I love the word collaboration because, I, you know, back in the day, you know, traditionally, there used to be 
you know, a hierarchy, some may say, but I think our profession's done really well to you know, bring ourselves up to a level where, hey, we are dental professionals, we are well-trained, we can identify you know, if this tooth has a crack and we're not necessarily diagnosing, it's being that person who starts the conversation. You know, you're not telling the patient that they need this or that's the definitive diagnosis, it's taking a photograph, utilising those really important um, instruments in your surgery, showing them in the mirror. This is what I see here. Mm -hmm. The dentist will probably want to have a chat to you about this amalgam filling. Can you see all those fracture mm -hmm. lines that are radiating from that filling? And it's, you know, 90% of your tooth structure is very, very strong. They last a long time. But with a lot of things in life, you know, things wear down and need to be replaced. So prepping the patient for that conversation that you know is going to happen with the dentist and, again, having that communication earlier on and understanding you know, what the dentist likes, how he chats to patients and being able to start that conversation is really, really valuable and, you know, you will be really, really valued for that as a dental hygienist if you do take that initiative. It is initiative. You could just sit back there and I do my thing, you do your thing, you do your thing. I don't want to have a bar mm -hmm. of that. But it's really important for your patients as well. You know, you care about their overall health, you know, from the, not only their gums, their teeth as well. So I think that's a really important conversation. And in Australia, um, so I'm an oral health therapist, which is a dental hygienist and dental therapist. So... I can mm -hmm. provide restorative treatment up until the age of 26. So depending on what university you graduate from, some of us have what we call adult scope and some of us can actually do fillings for all ages. So it's yeah, another facet on top of that, trying to you know communicate with your patients. Oh, I'm actually, I can do this for you, um, but... Some of them may want to just see the dentist. So that's another right. level of communication again. So, yeah, it's such, a, it's such a great topic to talk about because it's, yeah, what do we, what do we start off with? The non-negotiables. Non <laughs> Collaboration. I, it's me, not you. <laughs> no, 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 I love I, it. I have a, yeah, I have the, the most ADD you'll ever meet. No, I love it. I love it. I know, I know people are going to be listening to this and making so much notes there. And I want to speak about Thrive, Thrive in the Op recently released yes. and I had a look through the modules in the course and it looks absolutely incredible for that person who really has trouble maybe struggling through the clinic life and wanting more or wanting to learn you know these key skills to really level up their practice can you tell us a little bit more about Thrive in the Up? I would love to so Thrive in the Up really for, for me is something that's lived inside of me for honestly the last like five to six years. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until the pandemic happened where hygienists were fleeing the op so rapidly mm -hmm. and leaving clinical hygiene forever that I was like, you know what, I really need to share this information. And when we look at hygiene school, there's a huge gap between hygiene school and practical implementation. We don't really learn a ton of case acceptance, insurance, 
how to write the perfect note so that insurance actually covers what we're recommending, how to deal with the difficult patients, or how to effectively communicate with your boss. So Thrive in the Op is over 38 on-demand lessons um, that you have lifetime access to. You can watch them. They're typically shorter lessons, so the longest one, I believe, is 10 minutes. Um, and there's some video, some on-demand um, kind of handouts and read-throughs, but it also includes weekly coaching with me. So each Wednesday, we go live in a private Facebook group, and I bring on the hygienists who want to be coached, and we work through things together, which is absolutely fantastic because chances are if you're concerned about your production or you're concerned about um, – you know, just a, a conflict that's happening with an office manager, we can process through that and you can learn from some, something else that somebody's going through, mm-hmm. um, which is phenomenal. For me personally, I make more money working two days a week of clinical than I did five days a week. So it's wow. also a ton of how to, how to be a high producer, how to create your dream life, how to love clinical again. And here's the thing, all of these skills that you're taking, your communication, your business skills, your honestly confidence, mm-hmm. And equipping yourself with all of these things is not only going to make you invaluable chair side, but if you decide down the road that you want to go into speaking, writing, consulting, you'll be the polished RDH ready to, uh, for any opportunity that comes. I love that so much. And where, where can they sign up for Thrive in the Up? Great question. So just right off my website, amberauger.com. And um, you can follow me on Instagram as well. There's um, my Instagram is amberauger.com, com. So is my TikTok and my mm-hmm. YouTube. Keep it very simple. Yeah. And my email. Um, so keep it simple. And essentially the doors open four times a year. So the spring Thrive in the Off will open in mm-hmm. March. And the doors will be open for 30 days, March 1st through March uh, 30th. And then doors close. So we do 90-day stents in the program um, to really help keep you accountable to the on-demand lessons. But as a member, you do have lifetime access. That may change <laughs> come summer. So um, spring would be a, a definitely something that you'd want to prioritize. Amazing. That is truly great that you're giving back to us like that. And, you know, there are hygienists out there who who are struggling with this at this point in time and I know that in Australia I don't think it was particularly as bad as it sounds like it was in the US in terms of people leaving the the profession during COVID you guys had it a lot worse than us we we were sort of the other end of the spectrum where we lived through a lot of lockdowns so the stress Mm. and the anxiety that you all experienced going to work and you know, being in your PPE and having to deal with patients who, you know, may not want to wear masks or go along with protocols. So we didn't really deal with any of that. So I completely understand why some people would say, you know what, that's that's it. Especially yep. if they're in offices that they haven't loved mm. or their your retirement. And the big thing has been childcare. If it costs you more to have your your child in childcare than you're making, it's not mm. worth it. Mm. It's quite the same here in Australia. A lot of a lot of families would have one stay at home because it's just not viable to go back to work because whatever you're earning, you're putting straight back into someone else taking care of your of your child. And I think mm-hmm. that's why a lot of people gravitate to you in your course as well and maybe follow along with what we do because there is a life outside of working clinically and like you I still love working clinically I 
I still really enjoy it, but this, uh, the variety that we have during the week and just really gives me that, that passion and the drive to perform well clinically as well. So I think that's really important that people find their balance and what works for them. So I think that's really the key, as you said, to thrive in the up. <laughs> Excuse the pun. <laughs> well received. <laughs> Amazing. And, I, you know, I will say that I can tell with your content, you know, when, when I open my Instagram and you're there and the, the passion that you have really radiates through. And I thank you for all you're doing for the profession because there's a lot of empowerment coming out of your platform. Thank you, Amber. Really, it's really flattering coming from you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for spending some time with me on your Thursday evening. It's much appreciated. And I know that everyone listening to this is going to, you know, take away so much information and apply it to their own growth. So I really appreciate you coming on tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having Pleasure. me. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Talk Dental To Me podcast. Please subscribe and follow, leave a review if you enjoyed this episode, send me some feedback or get in contact with me if there is someone you'd like to see on the podcast. Until next time, we'll speak soon. Bye.